genre. To Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future Part 3, one rabbit-eating minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli, and joining us once again to wrap up the week, Michael Barrity. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And today we are going back to Minute 25, which begins with Seamus telling Maggie that he's he's got supper and raising two rabbits in the air. Dead ones. Mm-hmm. Um, just to clarify. And and uh, ends with Maggie setting down a bowl rather aggressively. Yeah. And, oh, this has, we, we discussed it earlier this week, has one of the best trick shots uh, in the whole film. It's amazing. Like, um, it, it just, it doesn't, you can't see it. Like, you can't see how they did it. Yeah, it's it's a perfectly executed shot, which on top of everything else is the camera is moving the whole time. Uh-huh. So you go from this camera dolly out of the roasted rabbit legs to then, I mean, the most impressive feat, just the passing of that plate. Yeah. Which is effortless uh yeah and then and then the camera does a pan up when when leah enters uh it just yeah i don't know how they did that i just i'm watching it over and over and over again and that that plate pass i mean the only thing that he does is he like holds it a little longer for like a moment right but even then that's a pretty it's great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, because then, because then Leah like walks through. Well, she doesn't walk completely through. Right. Like I'm she, trying to find the line. The line I think is probably that dark line uh, by the fireplace or that uh, the beam. But like, she covers the, that line. Does she? Yeah, when she comes in, she covers it. Mm. So it can't be that. Maybe it's just the fireplace entrance there. They also bump the table a little bit, which is even. It just adds so much. Um, Just like reality to it, you know, Uh, going back, though, before that moment. Sorry, uh, I got we just got excited. Oh, yeah. No, I know. Uh, I love how much. Maggie brightens up when she sees Seamus. Like, she is a wife in love. Yeah. Like, she really loves this man. And he came home with two rabbits freshly killed. Like, you know, he's providing. It's good. Yeah. They got their own little life out here. She just, she's just very happy, I think, with her life. And I, I, I like her performance there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the uh, the dead rabbits, uh, the first take that Michael J. Fox did of this moment, um, he came in the door and when he pulled up his hand, 
and said, I brought dinner. He had a stuffed Roger Rabbit, mm. which is uh, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I uh, as far as as far as like a button for a scene, that's like a perfect transition line. Like you get it of mm-hmm. just. It's a strong close and then you immediately know what you're looking at in the next scene as far as the edit goes. Right. Uh, Although it it does bring up a question of awkwardness. Oh, yes. Of how <laughs> long were they not talking about all of this? Right. <laughs> I mean, obviously Seamus knows about Marty's blacksmith friend. Yeah. So they've been talking a little bit. But those rabbits were freshly killed. How long from freshly killed to cooked and eating does it take to cook a rabbit? I mean, like to prepare and cook a rabbit. I, as somebody who has never prepared a freshly (laughs) killed rabbit, I have no clear answer. But I would have to say more than an hour baseline minimum like right i mean i'm sure if you're going to be barbaric about it you could probably toss the rabbit in without even removing the hair and that would burn off but that would definitely kill some of your flavor mm-hmm. um i mean i'm no master chef on this sort of thing <laughs> uh well and neither is maggie she i mean she she didn't she didn't properly clean this thing it's got it's got lead pellets all through it. Well, and also, uh, I mean, there's even if she did clean it with that water. Right. That <laughs> that's one of my favorite like mini moments that really stands out to me in uh Back to the Future Three is just that water pour and Michael J. Fox is perfect just stare at the water. Oh and yeah, then just like examining it. It's so wonderful. It I mean, it makes me think that Doc must have some sort of water purification system because mm-hmm. otherwise I would Marty even drink anything ever? Yeah, I mean I'm sure Doc showed up and was like, "Well, I don't want to get Giardia." Like, "No, thank you." <laughs> right. Cuz he's he's also managed to make an ice machine. Right. I'm sure water purification is and just general survivability. Is that a word? Survivability? Whatever. It's gotta be. Um <laughs> uh is is pretty near the top of his list. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because there's no way a kid from nineteen eighty five is drinking that water. Yeah. I mean he I just love that he takes a look at it and then just promptly puts it down and he doesn't touch the water the rest of the time right it's like i i just i i hope that corn is juicy because that's the only uh liquid i'm getting yeah yeah like you he'll have he'll have a biscuit and the care uh the rabbit and then the corn and that's all he's touching he's not Mm -hmm. that's okay so now i'm just seeing when maggie does do the put down uh, there are some potatoes being cooked and cut up. So maybe this is sort of a like, as it comes, here's the food 
situation. Which is interesting because uh, being Irish, they're presumably very Catholic. That's true. So they would probably have said grace before. Yeah. At the very least. Right. So it's interesting that they're just like digging in. Yeah. Also, I like the uh, – if, if, <laughs> are you noticing how – Seamus is digging into his food. Like uh, I love the way he holds his knife. Yeah. He does not. He holds it as I've come to know it. Elven style. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which is I mean, a fun distinction between, I mean, him and Marty as he's like very daintily going about it. Right. Yeah, I do like uh, that Marty, he just he can't help but have manners. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good kid. He was raised right. Although it is worth noting, like, Seamus is doing the bib situation with his napkin, and Marty is not. That's uh, true. Although I suppose he has the neckerchief, so maybe that's a passable excuse. Uh, but I would think that Maggie, having stressed the Mrs. part, that she would also stress that he have a napkin. But maybe, maybe the I don't know. Well, I think he was. I think she was stressing the Mrs. thing because she didn't want to get hit on. Mm. I think was the idea there. Gotcha. Um, but uh, I thought it the, might have just been a general respect thing. Oh. Uh, but. I mean, it, it could have been, but I that that's what I got out of it was gotcha. the yeah. But um, so Seamus McFly. The interesting thing about Seamus is that Marty or, or Marty Michael J. Fox was not supposed to play Seamus. Uh, Seamus was supposed to be the role that Crispin Glover was going to play, mm. uh, and it would have sort of reversed roles. In that way where Marty was teaching George something in the first movie. And then in this one, you know, Crispin Glover's character was teaching Marty something because um, Seamus teaches Marty to let things go. Right. Uh, And uh, it would have been I think it would have made for a stronger uh, cycle of reversal because you already have the reversal between um marty and doc and and i'm sorry that you don't have any doc in your minutes uh although I, it didn't I stop us rather from bummed about that but yeah <laughs> didn't stop us from creating uh bear hermit um, this is true this is true. so at least there's that uh but i came to you as a bear marty <laughs> yeah. uh so yeah i mean you've already have the reversal between marty and doc in this movie where uh, Doc is the romantic lead, and Marty is the voice of reason, right? Um, which is the reversal from the from the first film, and uh, and then it would have been nice to have Crispin Glover in this Shamish role, and you know, I'm really curious to see what Crispin Glover's Shamish would be because I can guarantee you it would have been absolutely nothing like. Michael J. Fox is Seamus. Right. Michael J. I mean, Michael J. Fox plays warm really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, there there's a niceness that can come with and has come with Crispin Glover. Uh, the thing that I'm trying to think of is, has there ever been a movie where he has an accent? Oh, I don't know. Because I'm, I'm 
scrolling through his IMDb page, and granted, he is a man who tends to avoid large uh, pieces. Although, I'm seeing now he's in the American Gods TV series that we can look forward to next year, which is exciting. Right. Who is he playing in that again? Mr. World. Mr. World. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not I don't, super familiar I'm by that name. With it, but. I, I was hoping for a second that he was going to be playing the, the leprechaun, and then we would have found out what his Irish accent sounds mm. like. Um, but, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I would love to live in the alternate universe just to go see the Back to the Future 3 with, with Crispin Glover in this role. Right. Uh, that would have been pretty – it would have been very fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably he probably would have played Seamus a little less earnest and a little more goof, but uh, oh, and then and then I mean, granted, they probably would have kept Leah Thompson in this role, but it would have been so fun to reverse the last dream scene and have it be George as Seamus waking up Marty. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that would have been. I mean, that, yeah, that. Because the audience like, wouldn't have expected it, you know? Right. Yeah. That would have been a really good way to pull the rug out from people. Um, and use uh, use that third time joke to its best advantage. Right. And probably they could have then not revealed Seamus at the, like when he first falls down, you just see two feet and he gets slapped or whatever. And then you right. just hear the call. And since you have never heard Crispin Glover speak with an Irish accent, you wouldn't immediately go, that's Crispin Glover. Right, exactly. Oh, man, that would have been great. Well, what could have been? Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I, I, I just, um, the Seamus thing is interesting. Just the, the recurring casting thing is just in general... Uh, an issue I have, like I hate that trope, like the doppelganger mm-hmm. trope, right? In uh, in movies where it's like, oh, you have an ancestor that looks exactly like you, right? Uh, you see that a lot in vampire things and yeah, stuff I, like that. In in Back to the Future, though, I do feel that it works for just on that kitsch level. Um, and maybe, and maybe it just stems from the first one having like, oh, it, you know, like we've aged them up and it's, re- it's them playing the same character, but suddenly you're like accustomed to those faces being everywhere. Right. Uh, but I mean, yeah, if, if this movie were made now and I mean, thank goodness that as it currently stands, like there's no possibility of a remake happening anytime soon. Right. Uh, If this sort of thing happened, people would have really just scoffed at, you know, in the sequel, they're like our main character plays all of his siblings. Like that's, I mean, you, you'd expect that from Eddie Murphy movies that performed poorly. Right, Mark. Yeah, Michael J. Fox did it first. Yeah. Any professor doesn't have anything on Back to the Future Part 2. Nah, nah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I never really thought about that comparison before, but that's true. Uh, I mean, it's the, same, yeah. it's the same sort of strange thing where 
some things that were completely permissible and you see as absolutely fine, like now just don't fly. Like, I mean, parody movies now are seen as like bottom of the barrel sort of stuff. Like not another teen movie was like, not another teen movie and and maybe Scary Movie 3 were like the last time that parodies were like seen as acceptable, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but like you look to Mel Brooks's entire career, and he's like, I just made parodies. Like that's with the exception of like the Twelve Chairs, right? And the producers, like it's all genre parody. But I suppose in going a little bit broader, he was able to get away with more. But it's like you know those sorts of movies don't work now, right? Like only from a nostalgia uh, not nostalgia but like from a as a classic they fly well and and comedy in general ha- goes through phases this is true um and you know right now i think we are we are right in the middle of a transition where we're transitioning out of improv mm-hmm. and into uh heavily scripted comedy yeah i mean uh, we've know, got a lot of heavily scripted and a lot of meta right Me- yeah meta meta is a thing definitely uh and and so you know it, it's it's you know uh, you're it, the different generations typically don't don't find what the previous generation thought were funny and right um until they're older and whatnot so but the the parody thing though that weird scary movie trend was uh that was a strange time because those were only funny to a certain like to well not not a certain uh, many many people um but uh it was it was they were popular for a while well and there was but, a topicality to them that right it's strange because a movie like this is the end was mm-hmm. the funniest that it would ever be before it was released right and like when you saw it in theaters, that was the funniest that you would ever see it because many of the pop culture references and celebrities, that is not going to hold the same sort of nugget. Right, right. And 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 it's also, um, in general, with, with improv comedy, I don't think that they have as much... Uh, they don't last as long. Like they're really funny for the, sh- for the shock of, of hearing the joke for the first time. Right. And then the jokes don't hold up as well in, you know, recurring fashion. Like I, I've seen every Judd Apatow movie and I enjoy every Judd Apatow movie. I watch them once and I never watch them again. Right. Because- upon, upon multiple viewings, it is not nearly as sharp as a, scripted through line where the comedy stacks i mean if you've if you've got like really really strong improvisers and a solid editing team Mm -hmm. uh they can piece together something that will like be like oh look at that we're we're pulling off essentially a herald uh in our in our narrative storytelling but um yeah, I I agree with your general sentiment. Mm-hmm. And and you have people, you have certain filmmakers who are transitioning into a thing where 
they don't mind improv, but there's a time and a place for it. Yeah. Um, like Edgar Wright, who Edgar Wright likes improv, but that's why he and his actors do heavy, heavy rehearsals. Yep. Because that's when they do all the improv and they're like, okay, that joke is the funniest joke. That's the one that's going in the movie. Now you can't change it. Right. And it's also, I mean, Edgar Wright is a very technical and mechanical director as far as like mm-hmm. he builds comedies. Right. He He's very visual. He like everything about his style. And I mean, if if those listeners have not seen the every frame of painting uh, on Edgar Wright and comedy or just like any of the every frame of painting just do yourself the service and reserve like three hours and binge watch all of them because they're mm-hmm. great oh yeah um but yeah i mean edgar wright is oh i'm so excited for baby driver um, i know i so am i <laughs> i was i i almost wept when they pushed it back um but hopefully all for a good reason to, to better polish everything up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or or even better, it'll be a huge hit finally. Right. Uh, because that guy deserves one after making four cult, cult successful movies in a row. And then you're or four, five, four, four, four. Cult, cult, cult level uh, films in a row and then and none of them just like really hit and then he lost ant-man and right. or walked away from ant-man guy deserves a big hit i think at this point yeah um, so it would be nice if baby driver was that for him i mean fortunately he is very well respected right within the community i mean the thing that truth be told i wouldn't be opposed to although i do love his movies if he were to be the showrunner or like co-creator of another series be mm-hmm. it you know like just have netflix go like hey Edgar right like you get to run this genre show oh or yeah what have you like i would be all in on that yeah like a spiritual uh spiritual sequel to spaced or something yeah yeah absolutely um so so yeah so the 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 whole con this all stemmed from the fact of like characters or actors playing different characters in the whole thing or yeah we ran away from the the general <laughs> subject at hand real fast sorry about <laughs> <Yeah>. that guys <laughs> but but uh, I I I think the point stands I mean it's it it works I think you're right it generally works in these movies because and this is something that we've come back to a lot is that Zemeckis's direction style lends itself to the comedy style of these movies because what he does is he just tends to point the camera, let it just take in the scene and let the actors do all the work. Yeah. And so by letting the the camera be sort of chill and not being really a character in the movie – it allows the, the the actors to be much more larger than life without feeling over the top. Yeah, there it it always does feel like the the actors are very in control. They um 
and I appreciate that with Zemeckis. He he is very respectful of his actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and lets the like it's crazy to me that just going back to that one shot, like there's so much chemistry between two characters who are clearly not interacting with one another, but it all feels so well woven. Right. Like uh, I think I think that's something that he accomplishes very well. Absolutely. So I, I do I do have to point out uh the shot and you've probably been distracted by the water because you know the water is a great gag. But in the shot where she's pouring the water, if you look at Seamus, that body double, I mean that's just some guy that they like slapped this gigantic fake mustache on. The wig is also not particularly great. <laughs> right. Like it seems very, yeah. Oh man, I'm now seeing the mustache is like <laughs> so comically large. Yeah, and it's it's not remotely the size that it is. <laughs> it's like Yosemite Sam on the body double. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. This is like the bear costume all over again. Right. Ah, oh, that's good. Um. Yeah. I, uh, I, here's the other thing too. When, when Seamus says, I'm going to help, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you find your blacksmith friend. And I just think, okay, that's really nice of you. Great. And then he says, tomorrow, um, I'm, you're going to sleep in the barn tonight. Tomorrow, I'm going to take you as far as the railroad tracks and you can follow those into town. Yeah. Okay. So you're not. You're not helping me find my blacksmith friend. You're you're helping help- me get to f- finding my blacksmith. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um I mean, thank you. You know, I wouldn't have been able to find those railroad tracks otherwise, but don't right. tell me you're going to help me find my blacksmith friend if you're not actually going to help me find my blacksmith friend. His his understanding of what help help is is pretty loose. Yeah. God, I can't even imagine what that dirty well water tastes like. Do <laughs> you think it's well water or do you think it's coming from like a stream or something? I think it's probably a stream. Well, I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> well, seems... <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> unintentional. Um, it... I mean, we live in a... Or they live in a pretty nice valley that seems fairly well irrigated so it wouldn't surprise me if there was at least some form of stream but then at the same time i don't know much to anything about farming or ranching so (laughs) you know i don't want to i don't want to speculate at a turn Mm -hmm. Uh, do you think uh do you think i mean i don't know anything about hunting so maybe someone who does uh can let us know but is it is it generally just a like a, a a faux pas hunting faux pas, especially if you're hunting for eating? Is it a hunting faux pas to shoot something like a rabbit with a shotgun? Hmm. Because for for this reason, like, would it be a real pain in the ass to get all these pellets out? I mean, I imagine it would be, right? Yeah, I yeah, that's. But I have to assume that that's probably going to be, like, the alternative would be arrows. Right. Which, 
I don't think anybody's carrying bow and arrow around. So well, it's the, like a r- rifle. You can have a rifle. Mm, that's true. But I think a rifle is just inherently a more expensive thing because it's a more precise tool. Right. I guess that's true. But at the same time, we're looking at their fairly decadent home as far as <laughs> as far as what we perceive a good cabin to be like. Right. It's like we're we're doing a lot of speculation of like, well, if it's night or 1885, like right. what's good for you? Like, would I be satisfied with this? Truth be told, like m- speaking f- for me personally, this would be a delightful cabin that I would stay in even now. I think y- like, yeah, it seems pretty well fixed up and maybe, I mean, probably this is the equivalency of like a castle to anyone in 1885. Uh-huh. Uh, but for our more modern eyes, this still strikes many as very rustic and cozy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely cozy. Um, and I guess, uh, I guess, I guess Seamus is just eating that lead, huh? Yeah. Or he somehow, you know, missed. It seems like there was far more rabbit bits than there were for just two rabbits. But, uh, yeah, who can say? Yeah. I don't know. He might just be accustomed to the taste of lead at this point. Right. And he does drink that water. So, Mm -hmm. you know, his taste buds in general are pretty questionable. Right. He (laughs) He doesn't know the refined tastes of modern civilization. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty much all I have, um, for this minute. Uh, I don't know why Maggie is act is, is acting so aggressively about helping, helping Mr. Eastwood here. But, if, uh, if I recall correctly, and again, I'm, I'm, this is as I, re- as I recall, uh, Seamus is notorious for being overly helpful to people oh. and so the i'll even give you a new hat uh <laughs> or i'll even give you a hat is like which now if i'm mm, i don't remember but i believe this is her about to be saying something to the effect of like we we're we're struggling a little bit or something like that which seems weird because, yeah, they they seem pretty well off. I think they could afford a hat. But at the same time, this might be me misremembering. And this is a minute that is not mine to talk about. <laughs> right. That's true. Fair point. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's all I got. Uh, Michael, thank you for uh Thank you for joining us this week. Absolutely. I'm very I'm very sorry that we lost Nick in the process, but I'm glad <laughs> that I was here to jump in in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so do you have anything else you want to plug real quick before you're out of here? Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll Even though we, we discussed this off, off the air, uh, but I'll make mention of it because in the future, this will definitely be a thing. Uh, I'm, oh, yes. Yes, I, I'm starting a podcast of my own. It's called The Sorting Hat Podcast. If any of you are familiar with Harry Potter, uh, the basic conceit of the show is... I and a friend, Katie Reed, who is a comedian out here in L.A., 
Uh, we have other comedian and funny folks, uh, and we act as a sorting hat of sorts. And it would be each episode is themed, and we are sorting based on that theme. So there might be an episode about pies, and we are discussing, you know, is pumpkin pie a a Gryffindor or a Ravenclaw or a Hufflepuff? Which or or which which uh, of the pies is a Slytherin? You know, like, and it's any sort of thing of that nature. We'll cover cold medicines, Greek gods. Uh, you know, we we try to skew away from living people. Uh, that's like the one thing. But anything and everything can be sorted, and we go all over the place. Actually, one of the most recent ones that we did was my irrational fears. So, like, we're we're gonna be getting weird on this podcast, and that's some of the fun. Yeah, it's it's the most bizarre idea for a podcast I've ever heard, but I, I am absolutely going to listen to that because it. I mean, just the pie thing alone. Like, I just I can't stop thinking about it. Like, I just God pecan pie. Is that a Ravenclaw? I don't. I, I believe if if I'm remembering correctly, we did land on it being a Ravenclaw based on the fact that there's like there's quite a bit of science going on with that. It's a very calculated pie. <laughs> That's very true. Um, but you know, it's it's a very silly premise, and it all it just spawned from Katie, my co-host, and I just sort of riffing at work because we work together mm-hmm. about. I just jokingly was like. Big Bird's a Gryffindor, right? Like, that's like a certain thing. And then she was like, I don't know. He could be a Hufflepuff. And we then, like, riffed on that for a little bit. And then I, like, walked away and then came back and was like, I think this is a show. Like, yeah. we should do th- It's just dumb goofs. Yeah. The the real question uh, that you're going to have to deal with on a regular basis once the show goes live is uh, the question of Ilvermorny. Because mm. people are going to want to know. We'll be getting into that later as we have a better understanding of those houses. That's, and that truthfully gives us a whole lot more runway. <laughs> right. You just start repeating episodes at that point. Although although I've compiled a list of, I mean, like even even speaking on, I mean, just just as you show with us doing a minute of Back to the Future, you can speak for a while just doing four things within a theme we've found can take us like up to 50 some odd minutes. Oh yeah. So, uh, cause tangents happen. Um, but. <laughs> as, as seen on today's episode. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And, uh, we will, we'll absolutely, uh, link to it on your episode, um, episodes, uh, once uh, once it goes live. Thank so. you, thank you. Yeah. And thank uh, you for reaching out and having me. This was really fun. Oh, I'm glad you had fun. Uh, yeah, it's always weird reaching out to people that you're just like, mm, I'd like to get them on the show because either you get ignored or like you, you're like, actually, Back <laughs> to the Future is, a guy, this is my favorite movie. This sounds like fun. Uh, so uh, you never know. So. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. I really appreciate it. And I and I just have to, uh, you know, I know it's your most popular thing that you've got, but uh, I, I just have to reiterate, if you guys haven't seen the What If the Prequels Are Good videos that Michael made, 
you you gotta watch those those movies those those videos they're phenomenal you're very kind scott yeah <laughs> um and uh and of course uh, we will be back on Monday with Minute 26. But in the meantime, if you are a patron on our Patreon page, which you can find at duelinggenre.com slash support, uh, you can listen to Back to the Future Minute, No Roads Edition, which is our weekend podcast where we discuss uh, off-topic, Back to the Future-related things. Uh, we usually talk about the comic a little bit. The video games uh, is what we're covering right now. In the past, we talked about uh, every film in Zemeckis' filmography, um, things like that. So if that sounds like something that's interesting to you, we have a couple dozen episodes of that, uh, all of which are over an hour. So it's like getting – it's like, it's like you know, binging a whole week's worth of this show uh, in one weekend edition. Uh, so you should check it out because you're missing out on like half the show by not listening. So duelinggenre.com slash support, become a patron and check out Back to the Future Minute, No Roads Edition. And Michael, thank you so much again. It was it was an absolute treat. <laughs> well, and uh, Nick, hopefully, will be back from uh, whatever depths of hell that he found himself in uh, on Monday uh, with Minute 26. Hi, guys. Bye.